0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Let's start with a story and then we're going to get right into the um, message. Well, this is part of the message. 2006, West Nickel Mines School in Pennsylvania experienced a tragedy. And this tragedy was probably the first that I know of anyhow, it's the first one that made big waves and it was the first uh, mass shooting. And it was in an Amish community. And this is before mass shootings were really a thing. I know there's also uh, Columbine, uh, but but now it seems more regular. But in 2006, this was a very rare occurrence. This wasn't happening back then. And this rocked everyone in the West, it rocked all of us. And what happened there was, I I believe the, the man was a milkman. Uh, but he was struggling with depression or whatever was going on in his life that, that we don't even know. I mean, no one will know. God will know himself, but no one else will know what led him to the events of that day where he drove to a school, held uh, you know, the students hostage, and eventually killed uh, six of the girls before turning the gun on himself and killing himself. Absolute tragedy. Absolute tragedy. Um, before I even go forward, can you even... I? Some of these kinds of stories, when you talk about this, I mean, it's one thing, I, it's hard enough to imagine uh, being persecuted for your faith and suffering personally. As a parent, I find stories like this to be unimaginable. I don't even know how to put myself in their shoes. So, how did they respond? The Amish community responded with grace. With forgiveness, in such a miraculous way. In such a miraculous way that it actually spurred on people to think that they were faking it. They actually made a movie called Amish Grace, or it's a TV series, anyways. Uh, but the TV series is about the documentary. It's it's kind of a TV series about reporters going to try to disprove the story, because it was so miraculous. What they did, it was so miraculous that no one believed that it could be real. And, and what they did, one of the, the, the elders of the Amish community, what they did on that day is they actually went to the wife of the, killers, uh, of the killer himself. They went to her home and they offered her forgiveness. And they extended forgiveness to her husband. One of the elders was a father of one of the girls. Can you imagine what she would have felt when they came to the door? What she would have expected? I mean, think of the pain she must have been feeling. Can you imagine a spouse doing that or a friend doing that? I, I just can't imagine that. And you're going through that and now the victim's parents are here, the community's there. You're expecting blame or accusation or something harsh. Yet they offer grace, they offer forgiveness. Not only that, they also offered her love. They said, we know that you also have lost. You have lost. That's what they're saying to her. You've lost. You lost a father. You lost a, a husband. And then they offered to help her in the days ahead if she needed anything, that they could, she could come to the Amish community and receive love and care and support if she needed it. You see, anyone hearing that story thinks, well, unless you're a believer, but for many people, when they hear that story, they think, that's impossible. That's unforgivable. We might even think that, even some of us in the church. That's unforgivable. There's certain things that even God wouldn't forgive. And we know that's not true, but sometimes I think we feel that's true, don't we? So, what I love about this is, now you might say, are you saying that we should all become Amish, join an Amish community? Nope, not saying that, unless you feel led to do so. It's not, it's not about that. You know what, when we get to heaven, there are going to be people there, we're going to find out the things that we got wrong, <laughs> right? And then others will find out what they got wrong, and we're all going to be worshipping the Lord forever, and I think it's going to be great. But I'll tell you one thing they got right, being unoffendable. And my question when I look at a story like that is, how does the devil destroy people that refuse to be offended like that? I mean, you might say, well, he took their daughters or he caused that tragedy. And I would say, absolutely, that is a tragedy. I don't think being unoffendable keeps you from experiencing pain, certainly not. In fact, I think it's a pathway that'll allow you to experience pain. But it puts you in a place of strength Where the enemy is not easily able to steal, kill, and destroy from you because that's his main tactic. Deception, and he wants to plant those lies in the soil of offense and hurt within your heart. That's what we've been talking about. So, two weeks ago, uh, we're on part six now of this kind of mini-series within a series, right, on uh, the tactics of the enemy. And two weeks ago, we started looking at forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust right? How do you restore a relationship? Because it's one thing to forgive, but what about those cases now where you were trying to restore a relationship, and is that always warranted, and how do we do that? So last, or, or two weeks ago, we, we just really got into step one, and I was really hoping just to jump right into step two, uh, but I, I, I couldn't, not yet. We'll jump into it next week. I had to jump into step one again, because I, I really feel strongly that the Lord doesn't want us to just breeze over this topic of forgiveness. It's too big. It's too big, and we are way too good at deceiving our own selves on we're totally fine, right? Someone hurts us, oh yeah, I forgive them and I love them, as I go and rehearse all the bad things that they've done to others. As I put up a wall in my heart and refuse to show them any love. As I lash out to try to show them what they did was wrong. So, What we looked at in uh, the three parts of restoring relationship, there's forgiveness, that's releasing someone from the debt they owe us, that's just between us and God. This is the most important piece right there. That is, I mean, they're all important, but that is the critical first step, forgiveness. I think that's the reason why a lot of our efforts for reconciliation and, and having a relationship restored fail in the end. Because we didn't actually start with forgiveness from the heart, and that's what we started looking at last week. Reconciliation is actually the part where you repair the relationship. That requires two willing parties. You can't force someone to reconcile with you. You can't just do that on your own. You can do the work of forgiveness, you can do the work of offering reconciliation, but then often you're you're stuck waiting, and that's just part of the game. And lastly, trust is necessary for healthy relationships to thrive. But trust is a process, right? And, and nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to trust all people. Love them, yes. Pray for them, Absolute, absolutely. Return blessings for curse, absolutely yes. Turn the other cheek, don't respond to the evil, yes. That's required. Trusting is different. And, uh, and we'll get to that next week. So, uh, Jesus is in, the bu- is in the business of repairing relationships. I mean, think about this. This is exactly what the good news is. The good news is, we sinned, we messed up, we owed him a debt, he took our penalty, paid the debt, and now is offering us reconciliation if we'll receive his forgiveness. Absolutely incredible, and then he turns around and says, now you who received that gift of reconciliation, now you go and do likewise. Show the world what I'm like. Show the world what I'm like. So, I know you guys love the ideas of, uh, of reconciliation and forgiveness, right? But the question is, how do we get there? And that, that is the big question, and I've received that question countless times throughout this series. I love that we're sitting on this topic, I like it that you're not going through it too fast, but how do I actually forgive? How do we actually do it? Because the idea itself is beautiful, but sometimes we get stuck, I think, in the practice of it. And there's probably multiple reasons for that, but probably one of the biggest ones is that we feel justified in our, in our offense. We feel justified in holding on to our anger, right? Now, we don't think anyone else is justified in holding on to their anger, of course, right? I mean, everyone else should have to forgive, but you don't really realize what's been done to me. So I'll give a few examples. People are gossiping about me. Now, by the way, I just want to say, there are, I'm not saying that, I'm not not even trying to imply that there are no cases where there are people who are 100% victims. There are. If you're a victim of abuse here today, you're a victim. You you were a victim. And if you're still in that abuse, you, you are still a victim of that abuse. And you should remove yourself from a place like that to safety. But responding to being a victim with a sinful attitude doesn't actually set you free. It just further puts you in bondage. We talked about that in the compassionate command to forgive, right? So, moving on, though, from the big one of abuse. Because abuse, I, I just want to caveat. I'll do it three more times throughout this message. I'll remind you, if, you're suffer- if you've gone through abuse, the process changes. The elements are the same, but the process can change. But for the rest of us, and for the 90% of the offenses that we deal with on a regular basis, let's pay attention. Sound good? All right. They're gossiping, they're gossiping about me. I didn't do anything. I am so mad at them. What did I do to deserve this? Maybe it's in social media. I can't believe what they posted about me. I can't believe they shared that. I shared that in confidence. So we're angry, right? I mean, that makes sense. My spouse ignores me. They don't satisfy any of my needs. Don't they care? Don't they see me? Do I not matter? Why would I be warm to them? They don't give me anything I need. Why would I do anything in return for them? (laughs) When you say it out loud in front of others, then it sounds silly almost, right? Because we know, oh, that's not a good response. But have you ever felt justified in that response inside? See, anger does that. Anger is an empowering emotion, isn't it? We use it so often to protect ourselves. It's one of the only emotions. I think it actually might be the only one that is directed entirely outwards at others. So we get hurt, we feel sad, we feel shame, we feel disappointment, we feel rejection. And as a self-protection mechanism, we aim our anger out on others to put a wall up so we're protecting ourselves. But that wall doesn't bring healing. That wall never brings freedom. That wall traps us in pain. What about my friend stabbing me in the back? Covered that one. My parents don't listen to me. (laughs) don't know what that's like. My kids don't know either. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, they're supposed to be Christians. Look how they act. We get outraged, right? That's a believer. They're not allowed to do that. That might be true. Are you allowed to be justified in your outrage? Just let it sink in. What about the government? They take away all my freedoms. That's not right. Is it right? I'm not saying it is or isn't. But they're not allowed to do that. I feel outrage towards them. Nobody takes my freedoms from me. No one tells me what to do. I'm my own person. You know, we are outraged by a lot of things. Some small, some petty. And some are real injustices. They're actual injustices. They are real. And we feel outraged by them. And our culture is a culture of outrage. Right? You see it all the time on social media, in the media, on the news, in the church. Guilty. Not guilty. Cancel. Not canceled. We're outraged. I read a quote uh, from a guy. Oh, I wish I could remember his name now. Zach. Oh, guy something. Anyways, and he said, it's almost as though outrage is a fruit of the spirit these days. You almost think it was a fruit of the spirit by the regularity you see it in the church. We must resist this, even if you are 100% the victim. Outrage is not the answer. James says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, humility, the righteous word which is able to save your souls. Amen? Amen. All right. We're not even into the message yet. I'm just going on the intro. (laughs) That's because we can't gloss over this. Like the enemy will try so hard tooth and nail to deceive you on this. And I I mean, maybe I'm just preaching to me because I'll preach it on the weekend. I'm like, I'm in tears. I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going to be unoffendable. And then I go home and I'm so easily offended at the most petty things at the people I love the most. That's why I've said multiple times, don't see this as something you learn once. It's like, oh, pastor, like, you've already said this. I get, the, I get the point. Move on to something better. This isn't something we talk about once, and then now we move on as though you graduated, you learned it, you never need to learn it again. We will be working through this until the day we stand before Jesus and he removes all pain and sin from our lives. And we'll be fighting our flesh on that because our flesh wants to feel justified. You know that feeling? Are are, are you with me on that? Like when you're in the anger, you feel like everything, like you're totally right. Until you calm down and realize you were totally wrong. So how do we deal with all this? Reconciliation. Now we're talking about restoring relationships. First thing we looked at last week was, or two weeks ago, if I say that again, just think two weeks ago. Forgive from the heart, and, and uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the heart of forgiveness. Do you remember that? So we looked at the heart that is required to forgive. So there's a few perspective shifts that we need to take. I added a fourth one on there, but the first three we covered, we had time for. Our king and his kingdom are more important than our rights. We're not saying you don't have rights. The heart that is able to forgive, though, says my king and his kingdom are more, are more important to me than my rights. Meaning, what is best for him is best for me. You still have rights. Right? Whatever measure I use with others, it'll be used to measure how I am judged. (laughs) This is the one that particularly got me to really flip how I thought about mercy for others that hurt me. My sin is just as bad as their sin. I'm not saying the consequences on this earth are just, are the same. But sin is sin. All of it required blood atonement by Jesus to forgive. My sin caused Jesus to be crucified just as much as the sins of those committed against me. We're all the same there. And lastly, the heart that's needed is a love for Jesus that is greater than any harm done to me. And that's the heart. That number four is the heart of the martyrs. Their love for Jesus is greater than than any of the harm that is done to them, than the atrocities committed against them. All right, so, like I said, why are we spending so much time on this? Because offense is the number one killer of our love for God and our love for people. And it's the cause of much deception within the church. And according to Matthew and Revelations and throughout the New Testament, it's like the catalyst for a lot of people falling away from the faith. And by falling, I don't mean they lose their salvation. I mean their heart grows cold, and eventually they choose to walk away. So I'm passionate about it. So uh, one of the texts we're looking at today is, is Acts. We're only going to read a portion of it. Acts 8, 12 to 24. I, I would encourage you to read the whole story, because often we look at the Simon. I don't know if you've, you're, you're familiar with Simon the Magician. But now when they saw Simon, the Spirit was given through the laying on, a, on the Apostles' hands. So what happened is they're in Samaria, and... A bunch of people give their life to Christ, including Simon the Magician, who was well known at the time. So it says he believed. So it wasn't just that he's a magician wanting the power of the Holy Spirit. He was amongst all of those who who believed the message of the good news. But apparently you can believe in a right way, and you can believe in a counterfeit way, because look what happens here. When Simon sees that the Spirit was given through laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money. Now, you're almost thinking, baby Christian, this isn't that big of a deal, right? So his heart was not right when he received the message. And what was his heart? It was full of bitterness and sin. That's what he said. Bitterness and sin. Peter's response was to repent that you could be forgiven of those things. Bitterness and sin. There's a lot we could say on that, right? But according to Scripture, bitterness is described like this and treated like poison throughout the entirety of of the Word. It is treason, treated like toxic poison. So, that's what we looked at, the, the heart of forgiveness. Now we've looked at a passage of Scripture again. I, keep, like, I, I like the stories and looking at Scripture just so we get it in our heads. This is no small matter. We can't read over these stories and just gloss over, oh yeah, he was in bitterness and sin, and that's why you know, he had to repent because he didn't actually have the Holy Spirit. This is a big deal for us in the church. But now we're going to move on to the next step. So, step one. Now we're going on to be, forgive from the heart. We've looked at the heart of forgiveness. So the mindset, the heart posture. Now we're going to look at the action of forgiveness. Okay, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. So, Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Whenever you stand... Oh, should we read this one together? The answer is yes. Should we read this one together? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, let's do it together. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone that your Father may also forgive your trespasses. What if we would take that seriously? Wouldn't that be a great challenge, right? We talked about maybe that's next year's September challenge. This year's was, yes, Lord, I will, blank check, which ties into this. Yes, Lord, I will, right? Next year we should do, yes, Lord, I will take your word literally and see what happens in a year. Wouldn't that be a fun challenge? I think so. Okay, that's not the message today. All right. Uh, earlier, I think it's in part three. So if you want to go back in part three, you might say action of forgiveness. Didn't you give us a bunch of steps that we could work through? I did. In part three, I gave you a bunch of steps that you could work through. And since then, I have received dozens of questions asking me how do I forgive? I feel stuck. How do I forgive? So instead of going through that whole list again, I'll refer to it. It's on the web notes if you want to look at it. I would still recommend going through it. There is five steps. We won't go through them all now. Except choose, uh, accept what happened to you, choose to forgive and confess your, uh, your sin. Then there was pray for the one who hurt you, get perspective from Jesus. And then the last one was love is action. Go and love the one who hurt you. So we're not going to cover the first four. We're actually going to cover just the last one for the remainder of the, of the message. Love is action. Matthew 5, says this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? So this is in the Sermon on the Mount, um, and it's, it's just a wonderful little passage, and he makes a lot of clear points here. Right? You've heard the law of Moses say, love your, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, and then he goes on to say, for, for he, he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. And then he really drives home the point, and he says, if you love only those who love you, what good is that? What reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, how much more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And then this shuddering word and command by Jesus, because it's Jesus, you can't can't argue with it. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Just in case you were wondering what what standard he was calling us to. Thank God for grace, amen? Because I fail in that perfection one all the time. But he still says that's the target. He's supposed to be moving towards it. All right. So love is often used as a noun. That's often how we use it. Right? Oh, I love cats. I do. I really do. And now we have this silly dog, and he's large. He somehow doubled in size from what I thought he was going to be. He's 94 pounds. And uh, (laughs) me and my wife were trying to relax in our bed yesterday, and he's just like... Flipping around and doing all sorts of stuff. That has nothing to do with the message. Anyhow, his name's Pickle. He's Kiana's dog. And he's a beast. Anyhow, I love him too. I have a feeling of love towards him most of the time. Right? I love pizza. I love a good story. I love reading. I love hunting. Right? Now, when I'm talking about that, some of these things are things that I do, but they're also just, I'm talking about things that I enjoy. Make sense? It's a noun. So... uh, how Scripture uses it, and sometimes it uses it that way as well, but the love that we are called to, we we err if we look at this as just a feeling. Now you might say, I know that. It's it's a verb. It's an action. I know that already. We might know that up here, but too often I experience this myself and I hear it from others. Yes, I have forgiven them. Yes, I love them, but, and then the but comes. They did this, and they did that, and that's why I'm withholding this, or that's why I'm making them do this, or that's why, and I'm not actually seeing the action. Love is a verb. It's an action, and that action is the pathway to forgiving from the heart. If you want to know what the action of forgiveness is, it's love. That is the action. When you do that action, when you show love to someone who hurt you, that is the pathway by which God heals you and sets you free. It's how you forgive from the heart. So, love is an noun. Don't think of it that way. Well, you can. You can still say it and use it that way. It's in our English language. However, when you see it as a command in Scripture, it's not good enough for us just to say, yeah, I love them, but... Can you imagine if Jesus had done that, if love for him was just a phrase he used or a feeling? I love you, but I'm not going to suffer that on the cross for you. I love you, but you better make it right before I forgive you. That's often the attitude we take, and I'm very grateful, I'm sure so are you, that Jesus didn't take that attitude with us. So it is, it's a verb. It's something we do. So I know there's an objection to this. What about the stamp of approval? This is the, I call it the stamp of approval objection. Okay? I don't want to show someone love that I disagree with or that has hurt me because if I show them love, they'll think that I'm approving of their actions. This goes way beyond just people that are hurting us, but people that are also disagreeing with us. How about those that are stuck in sin that we don't understand or don't agree with. I don't want to show them love. If I show them love, they'll think I agree with what they're doing. Right? If my spouse doesn't treat me right and I love them as a response, they'll never know that that hurt. Funny how we get stuck in this, isn't it? Jesus didn't seem to get stuck in it. He goes and talks, you know, the the adulterous woman or the Samaritan woman at the well, in both cases, he wasn't too concerned about him showing love, being an approval and a stamp on sin. He was just concerned with meeting people where they were at, loving them. And then, of course, he did get around to calling people into righteousness, and he does the same with us. But aren't you glad that he chose to love us first Romans 12. Did I already put it out there? I did. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, he'll put burning coals on his head. Do, let's read the last part together. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Do not overcome evil with evil. You can't you overcome evil with good. And that's what we have to understand for forgiveness, that stamp of, like this flies in the face of the stamp of approval. Like we think somehow if I hold a grudge, so my wife hurts me and I'm gonna hold a grudge, hi, (laughs) I'm gonna hold a grudge and then I'm gonna withhold love from her to teach her a lesson, right? Like to show her that what she did was wrong. Doesn't that make you feel good on the inside? Has it ever made you feel good on the inside? Maybe in the moment when you're really angry, it seems like a good idea, but I've never seen someone just set free and on fire for the Lord, and on fire full of love and joy, that their strategy to overcome offense was hold on to grudge and withhold love from other people. You just trap yourself. Two wrongs don't make a right, and sin on our part never leads to our healing and forgiveness or or freedom. Never. Never does. Now caveat. You might say, okay, whoa, whoa, So we have this objection. What about in the case of abuse? Remember what I said about abuse? That's real. That's different. If you're in an abusive situation, get out of the abusive situation. Get some space. Get some help. And then begin working through the steps. I will still stand by, beside what the scriptures teach, and that is the pathway to true healing and forgiveness is love and action and prayer. It is. But how that looks may look different for you. It might. But for the rest of us, again, let's get back into it. Let's get back into it. We show love. That's what we do. We don't worry about the stamp of approval first. See, we're too often trying to go to re- uh, reconciliation before we've done forgiveness. That's where we get trapped up. Right? Because reconciliation is where we restore the relationship. That's where we deal with what you did to me and what I maybe did to you. Because that's, in in our case, like with Jesus, you know, he didn't do anything to us. It was just us against him. Most of the time, there's like a two-way thing going on with, with us and others. Not always, but most of the time. So anyways, our problem is we we too quickly try to jump towards reconciliation. We're going to restore the relationship, and that's the part where I want to share what you did wrong with me, and you can share what, what I did wrong to you, and that kind of stuff. We want to jump there before we've done the hard work of forgiveness. And that can lead to disaster. I'm not saying it never works, but it can lead to disaster. So we do the hard work of forgiveness first. Let's look at a marriage example. Okay? So in uh, marriage, there's lots of things. And you might say, what if I'm not married? (laughs) You are a human being. Offenses are sure to come. The Bible promises that. Just insert different relationship, family member, friend that hurts you. Sound good? All right. So you had a fight. You're at the brink. They don't see you. They don't care. They don't meet your needs. They talked about you behind their back. They whatever. And maybe they did it for the hundredth time. We're talking repeat offender. So, you have, you have choices, don't you? You do. And you have more than this. But I just want to look at three of our most common choices, and you tell me the results and fruits of these choices. Option number one we brood. Oh, we like brooding. Well, we don't, but we do. Right? We brood. We think about it. We replay it. We might even replay it with others. That's gossip. Maybe even slander for using their name and talking badly about someone behind their back. Slandering. Someone, by the way, just like holding offense, slandering someone that hurt you is just as sinful as as any other type of slander. We really got to get this in our head. One sin, our sinful response, never makes someone's sin against us better, ever. We're called to rise above by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he'll help you in this. If you choose to walk in his way, he'll help you walk as an overcomer. He will. But anyhow... Brood and withhold. This is now, so I brood, I'm upset, I'm hurt. I hold on to the offense inside. I hold on to the anger. That was wrong. And now I'm going to withhold love. I will not love them. I will not do good until they change. Do a quick search in your head. How many times has that worked out for you? And even if they did change, how many times did you just feel drawn closer to God, full of his joy and peace as you were doing that? Next one, brood and lash out. I would be more that one. By the way, if you're ever wondering about me and Lou, where our defaults would be, she's number one, I'd be number two, yeah? She, she goes, yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes, right? Every, every relationship has its own dynamic. Yeah, we're working on number three always. <laughs> that's where we're, we're heading. It's a lifelong journey though, amen? It's lifelong, that's okay, right, we're, we're in it for life. So brood and lash out, this is my default. Right, you're just gonna like you'll, you'll brood on it, and then if they keep pushing the buttons, you're gonna let them know exactly what they did that was wrong, and you'll keep telling them until they figure it out. Or we could forgive and show them love, and you might say, "Yeah, but 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 we got to deal with what they did." Hang on, that's step two. Step two, we're only dealing with step one. Makes sense. I'm not saying that we never deal with step two and those things that happen, we never get to. We will in step two. We're talking about step one still, forgiving someone from the heart. And in step one, we forgive and show love, respond with kindness, help them, serve them, pray for them. Oh, that's hard. Maybe even death, isn't it? What if someone's stabbing you behind your back on social media or spreading things in text message about you? It happens. It happens. What if they talk badly about you to a family member, to a friend? They're trying to sabotage their relationships. I hear about this kind of stuff happening all the time. Maybe it's your spouse, and there's a wall and a chasm that's growing and growing and growing. What if instead of doing the first two, what if we just gave number three a shot? What if we just gave it a shot? What if we did the Bible? Now, remember my caveat, forgiveness. We're not talking about reconciliation. I am a big advocate for let's deal with the things that have happened. Let's, let's put things on the table. I love doing that. Well, okay, it's not, love doing it is maybe an exaggeration. I believe in doing that. I, but we're not talking step two. We're talking step what? One. Step one is forgive from the heart. That's it. That's all we're talking about today. Okay. You know who did this? Oh, my favorite person in the world, Jesus He's the, he's the master, worthy the apprentice. Luke 640, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. I want to be like Jesus. I want people to see me and see him first. I want my kids to experience him through me and my wife and you guys and strangers. And I think you guys want the same thing. Then we have to follow his way in all matters. Amen? That's what it means. Okay, look what he did here. This is all, remember, he's the king of, ma- of reconciliation and forgiveness. The king. We're learning from the king, the actual king. Laid down his life, willingly gave up his rights. Quickly doing a reference in your head over someone that you're holding offense to or someone that's hurt you. Ugh, that's hard, isn't it? I mean, he did it on a cross, but it's hard to do that even in a relationship where it's just a a slight. Number two, he prayed for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This sounds like Matthew 5.44 to me. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He lived it in a way that none of us could ever do. But he lived it. He modeled it. And now he offers forgiveness and reconciliation as a gift. Doesn't force it on us. Once we get to reconciliation, he says it's a gift. I'm willing to reconcile. I've paid your debt. I've removed all the boundaries. If you'll receive it, he doesn't force it on us. Just like we can't force reconciliation either. Now, obviously reconciliation, when we have it, and problems with other people, there's a huge difference between us, me and my wife, for instance, and me and God. Because God does no wrong. And in the case of offenses this way, we have sin; others have sin. And maybe in this case we didn't sin against that person, but in the next one we will have. So that's the difference. We're broken and we have a sin nature, okay? So objection number two. Oh yeah, today I'm doing good for time. Just so relaxed. I'm going to take a drink then. Ugh. Caramel, coffee. It's very good, caramel drizzle. Ugh. The useless things that I tell you sometimes, amen? <laughs> oh, but I love being here and I love you guys. All right, objection number two. I need to heal first. By the way, when I'm putting these objections up, I'm not saying that they're, that they're wrong in, in the sense of there's no truth to what I'm saying like, or there's no truth in them. Uh, you need to heal before loving. If you open yourself up to loving people, it'll leave you vulnerable and will risk further harm. You might say that's a good objection. I would say it is a good objection. It's a good possibility. If you open yourself up to love someone who has hurt you, there is a very real possibility of them just slapping the other cheek as well. But what's your alternative? Hold on to a grudge? Stay trapped in pain for the rest of your life? We looked at the effects of bitterness both spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Remember that? That's like six weeks ago or whatever it was, part something or other. This is six, part six. It's one of the parts earlier. I think it was part three. Anyways, do you remember the effects of holding on to offense? Literally killing you in every aspect of your being. So yes, opening yourself up to love someone who has hurt you could open you up to further harm from them. Yes, it can. Absolutely it can. But your alternative is a guaranteed path to spiritual, emotional, and physical death. Forgiveness is the way to healing and to life and to freedom. And the action of forgiveness is love. It's something you do. It's not just something you say. It's not just something you choose. It starts there. It's something you do. All right. Respond with love. The action of forgiveness is the one that brings healing and freedom. Reconciliation is different, but you want know the good news is reconciliation requires two people. Forgiveness, just you and God, you can do this. It's a death. Yes, absolutely, it's a death. It, it is, literally. But you can do this. Even if the other person never changes, you don't have to be enslaved for your entire life. You can find real freedom, you can find real hope and real healing, if you forgive. And then and you're also setting the table, not only for your own heart, you're setting the table for them too to want to experience the same thing and for reconciliation to happen. But we've got to do the right steps in the right order. All right. Now, of course, we can look at this and say, well, that's kind of fearful. It's fearful to put yourself out there, I totally get it. By the way, anyone in here, uh, don't raise your hands. Anyone in here ever erected a wall internally? Actually, you can. Is there anyone in here that has erected walls internally? Anyone? (laughs) There's a few of you, a bunch of us, right? Why do we do that? I'm gonna put up a wall, no one's gonna hurt me like that again. Isn't that what we do? I'm never gonna let anyone that far in my heart again. I did that once, and look what happened. Uh -uh Uh-uh, not again. Now, I'm an advocate for things like boundaries and limits and all that kind of stuff. It's all good. But I think sometimes we take it too far. And we say, I will never be someone's doormat. Okay. You're not a doormat. You're an image bearer, created in the very image of God himself. You're valuable, precious. Every one of you who's listening to this, you are are precious in his sight. Absolutely, yes. But our master laid down his rights. Maybe we should follow his lead and not just follow the culture and conventional wisdom. Maybe his way leads to life within reason. Like I said, now we're going to hit on abuse. I told you three times I was going to hit it on a caveat. If you're in an abusive situation, I'm not talking to you. You need to remove yourself, get help. Talk to a pastor, a counselor, a therapist, get help. Then you still need to work on forgiveness. You'll still need to work through the process of getting healing. You absolutely will, but you might need to remove yourself first. For the rest of us, though, I'm saying we love first. OK? We show that love. Now, let's go to first John. There is no love and fear. We all know this verse. Well, maybe you don't. I shouldn't say that. First uh, John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Okay, so being perfected in love. Would you think that being perfected in love would help us a lot in this whole process of forgiveness? Like, don't you think? I mean, it's going to remove fear. It's going to help me grow closer to him, right? We all want to be perfected in, in God's love. So what is the process or the mechanism that triggers us being perfected in God's love? Like, I bet you it's reading the Bible. Maybe. Prayer. Maybe. Those are very good things to do. I advocate for them all the time, and I'll never, ever, 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 ever lower that. I'll just continue to do it more, okay? Those are good things. That's not actually what 1 John says, though. You want to know what it does say? Look at this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he can see cannot love God whom he has not seen, I actually meant to put the next verse first. This was the answer to the one I was saying. (laughs) It's always funny when you give the wrong (coughs) verse to the question you asked. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Beloved, you want to be perfected in God's love? You want to be transformed by His love? Put effort into the way you care for people created in His image. Whether they hurt you, whether they disagree with you, or whether they love you with all their hearts. Take care on how you treat those created in His image. And you will abide in God's love. And His love will be perfected in you. And just in case you wanted to know, this is... (laughs) I meant to put verse 20 is after, not before. <laughs> it was a little oopsie. That's what happens when you wait until you know, early morning. Anyways, if we say we do love God and we hate our brother, what does it say? The next word's there. He is a what? Liar. Liar. That's in the Bible. You cannot love God whom you cannot see if you hate your brother whom you can see. Let that one sit just a moment. Sat long enough? I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. Go look for yourself. 1 John 4. Just read it. But then read it not as a condemning verse, as an invitation. He wants to perfect you in his love. What other religion offers that? What other person offers that? What other thing is offering you unconditional love? Forgiveness no matter what you do. Relationship that depends way more on him than you. We put minimal effort. What he is offering us is incredible. He offers us freedom. He offers us healing. He offers us purpose. He offers us value. Salvation. Forgiveness of sins. Condemnation free living. But he says you want to be perfected in love and experience that? You're going to have to love your brother, even the one that hurts you. And then his love will be perfected in you. That's a pretty incredible promise. All right, so now I'll skip forward. Loving God and his people is the pathway to being perfected in God's love. It's the the pathway to forgiveness. It is the pathway to healing and to freedom. wish we had more time. Little wonder, Jesus said in the great command... And he said what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the great and first commandment. And the second which is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he goes on to say what? On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Little wonder he said that. Like, if you get this right, you'll get the rest of it right. You're headed in the right direction. We overcomplicate. Oh, I don't know if I can do, Ah, oh, there's so many things, there's so... Get this right. I will love God with my whole life. But then don't allow yourself to be deceived by your own heart and sit there justified in hateful or unloving actions towards your brother or sister, regardless of what they've done to you. And if we get this right, we will walk in the way of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you will live in such a manner that everyone will want what you have, And they'll look at you and say, what what is different about you? You're different. Because nobody in this world without Jesus inside lives this way. Maybe to those who love them, yes. Just look in our culture. Guilty. Cancelled. Right? I hate those people because they're hateful. And you're like, wait a second, (laughs) right? I can't tolerate intolerant people. The world does that. We better not find that in our own hearts too. We don't do that. We're followers of the way, saved by grace. The most blessed people on the earth. We gave her a blank check. Remember that in September? Blank check. Well, some of you did. Maybe some of you didn't. Blank check yes to the Lord. Well, he says, love your enemies. So this is part of your blank check. I'm not, I'm not putting the words in your mouth. The Bible is. How can you give him a blank check yes and then say no to things that are written in the word? Amen? You can't. Okay, so part of your blank check this year was this. Yes, Lord, I will love those who hurt me, pray for them, forgive them. I will give myself to radical acts of love. You might say, where's that in the Bible? Read the crucifixion story. I will give myself to radical acts of loving those who hurt me and disagree with me. I wonder what God could do with a church where even half the people were committed to living that way. I wonder if people would want to come to a church like that. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Obviously, like I said, with abuse, if if you're in abuse or have suffered with abuse, you're going to need help going through this. So get help. Don't do it alone. Get help. Let us help you. Let a professional help you. Let a counselor help you, a doctor, a therapist. Get help. But Then let's follow Jesus in the way. The action of forgiveness will require a death in you. It will. It did for Jesus as well. But through his death, through our death, we can experience real life. So, I'll close this up now. Now it's time to bring it to an end. This is the uh, practice. If you want, by the way, the full steps to forgiveness, still go back to part three or just go to the web notes. Actually work through it. Just do it. The choose, like, accept where you're at, choose to forgive, work through prayer, all that kind of stuff. Just, this is an extra, a little extra. Too often we look at the love and action part and we say, I don't know what to do. Okay, I have some encouragement for you today. And take this in the right way. Think of something. You're like, think of what? Think of a way to love someone who hurts you. Be creative. Think about what you would love for someone to do for you. Do that for them. You're like, they don't deserve it. <laughs> do you think we deserve the forgiveness we got? Try radical love. Test the Lord on this. See what it does inside of you. Because that's really who you're setting free when you choose forgiveness. It's us, the captive. Radical love to those who hurt us is the pathway to being unoffendable. This we've talked about lots. This is the way, church. This is it. Show love. Turn the other cheek. Now you might say, but what about when we have to stand for truth? We're not talking about that this week. We're talking about our heart, our response. I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Sound good? Lord, I know each one of us have been through different things. We all have our own story. And within that story, Lord, there are relationships, there are hurts, there are joys too, there's lots of joys. But Lord, each one of us in here, we know what it's like to feel hurt. We know the sting of rejection. We know what it feels like to be passed over, to be stabbed in the back, to have someone gossip and slander. We know what it's like to miss out, to be hated, Lord, to be hurt. Many in here even know what it's like to be abused. Lord, we long for the day when we spend an eternity with you where all of these things will be no more. But today we recognize that you allowed all of these things to happen to you. And you remained without sin and you suffered the penalty that was on our shoulders for our sin so that we could be forgiven you chose to make a way so that our debt would be erased today lord we're saying yes lord i will we will forgive those who owe a debt against us We're not going to be like that servant who went out from the King's presence and refused to forgive someone else for something much smaller. No, Lord. We're going to be of those people who persevere in faith, in love, that go out and say, I was forgiven. You won't believe what I was forgiven of. I was the worst of all sinners. And so I refuse to hold on to offense. The only appropriate answer will be love. Today, Lord, I, I pray that you would not have let us leave this place without making a decision. Work on us. Show us how to love. Show us how to be creative. How can we encourage today, tomorrow? How can we bless someone? How can we demonstrate love to someone, even on a smaller scale, that we disagree with or has hurt us? Church, let those thoughts come in. Let let the Spirit of God minister to you. How can you love? Put aside the reconciliation. Put aside what's right. What they did. How can you love? How can you demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to those who hurt you? And Lord, everything that you put on our hearts, our answer is yes and amen. Let's worship together.